Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook em up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Welcome in. Good morning. Hook him up with Ian Rod B. With no Ian Rod B. Still telling to uh, change the channel. <laughs> it is the Ty Henderson takeover, as it was called yesterday. I am Ty Henderson. I'm here with a Dripping Springs graduate, current University of Texas Longhorn, Brock Bollinger. How you doing, buddy? Good, man. How are you? Good. I'm, I'm excited. I'm usually, I'm usually more asleep at this point of the show right now, but... Hey, we got bigger duties today. We got CJ Vogel uh, from yesterday during this segment. We got a great lineup of guests. We got uh, Jacob Standard from the Sports Complex coming on in the 7 o'clock hour. Johnny Rogers and hopefully Casey Stuttered for the entirety of the 8 a.m. hour. Hopefully. Justin the Smash Simmons. You might have uh, you might remember him from the Wagner Wire back in the day on Sundays. will come on in the 9 o'clock hour. As well as Craig Flowers with uh, what I hope to be a good morning story uh, from the high ground, Craig Flowers. And then in the 10 o'clock hour, we'll have Dylan Weber, a Georgia insider, we'll talk a little SEC, uh, college football playoffs, maybe a little Tommy DeVito, and one of your buddies also coming Canyon up. Canyon Sheeran, if you remember the uh, elite college football Instagram account, he, he co-founded that, at largest, largest college football account on Instagram. We're going to have an influencer on. And TND Takeover, that's him too. So, okay, no, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. We got a, we got a long road till then. Uh, we had Thursday night football last night. We'll do a little recap there. Of course, yesterday was National Signing Day, uh, big day for the Texas Longhorns and a lot of college athletes or high school athletes across the uh, Central Texas area. Uh, but without further ado, let's uh, give me and Brock here a second to wake up, and we're gonna head. Uh, we're gonna play an interview the guys had yesterday with C.J. Vogel. It was. Uh, Pretty, um, it was pretty. It was pretty good. He had a lot of good things to say about the Texas recruiting class. But like I said, without further ado, here we go. C.J. Vogel, yes, sir. the insider and recruiting analyst covering Texas and Oklahoma for Football Brainiacs. He's our buddy C.J. C.J., how are you, my friend? C.J., what's up? What's going on, fellas? Thanks for having me on this post-signing day. Uh, was it Thursday now, man? Week's flying. <laughs> yeah, it's almost uh, yeah, it is. Uh, I'm surprised you have a voice, you and Rod. All the, the the live coverage you guys provided yesterday on the On Texas Football Channel. Plus, you uh, you covered the Sark news conference. I like Sark had a little bit of a cedar fever going too with his raspy voice. Uh, but lot lots to talk about. What were your takeaways? I, I know you covered this recruiting class all the way up into to signing day, so you know the players intimately. But what did you take from from Sark's comments yesterday? Yeah, no, uh, like you said, there's a ton of talk, ton to talk about, you know, following what happened yesterday. Uh, I think Texas fans should be very excited with the crew that is coming in in the 2024 class. You know, one of the biggest things I, I, I like to point out with this class is Texas held on to their top guys, you know, and that's something that you have to fight with every every year with signing day. You know, there's a late push from, from Missouri for Ryan Wingo, Nebraska, you know, <laughs> was hinting at getting him back involved with Brandon Baker as well. Uh, you come in late for Xavier Phillips to me and Kobe Black joined the class late. And then you go back out and you flip Ty Anthony Smith to end the night. So it was, it was a great, you know, I, I guess in baseball you talk about closing and, and, and how important it is to you know, sustain leads to win ball games, And that's ultimately how you win championships. Well, in recruiting, it's very much similar to that. And Sarkeesian and his staff really, you know, went to the bullpen last night and called him a guy that throws 101, has a 92-mile-per-hour sinker. So uh, I think it's really important and something that's, you know, very encouraging, you know, that Texas is winning these recruitments late and also being able to hold on to their top talent throughout the cycle, even after months of being committed. So that's very encouraging to me. And 
on top of that, you know, Sarkeesian mentioned it in his press conference yesterday and having met some of these kids and, uh, you know, at camps and showcases and games, you know, it, they're all high stand-up, you know, caliber kids. And I think that's very important for the culture that Sarkeesian has implemented at Texas, and it's the only way really to ensure that buy-in is there from the start. And that's, you know, above anything else, very encouraging to me. Hey, uh, uh, CJ, you asked a really good question to Sark, too. Um, he seemed pretty impressed with uh, about changing the narrative about Texas. Um, I've talked about how it's really tough to negatively recruit against Texas right now with what they're doing. Um, get into his answer. I thought it was it was pretty intriguing. We're going to play the audio a little bit later on, but um, he, he, he was well aware of that narrative, uh, that negative recruiting pitch against Texas, it seems, right? Yeah, no, he gave a great answer. I'm very excited that he did because it obviously provides great talking points for us. So, uh, no, his, his his point was when he arrived at Texas, he, he realized there was work that needed to be done. And there was, you know, it needed to be done quickly because there was a reputation around Texas. They could not develop talent into the NFL. And ultimately, there were too many games where they were leaving uh, wins on the field. They just simply were not winning enough. And as a result, that kind of trickled down into the high school range. You know, when you go talk to kids about would you want to play at Texas, yeah, well, it's a great school. It's big. There's a, a lot of opportunities. But, you know, the school down the road, you know, even in the, my own state, is probably going to get me better to uh, better developed to, for the NFL. And that was one of the biggest hurdles that, that stood in the way of Steve Sarkeesian from success immediately upon his arrival. I would say that's no longer the case now. Obviously, five guys were developed in the NFL prospect last year. A couple others even signed on for undrafted free agents after the draft. Texas is looking at a draft this year, which could be their best in about 15 years. And that's not even, you know, going to mention the possibility of Quinn Ewers coming back. So it's really impressive just the turnaround and really a short time that Texas in this program has taken. And it's the result of Steve Sarkeesian uh, trusting his staff to develop and then obviously going out to recruit and really spread the gospel that is Texas football is no longer of the old days. Yeah, uh, it feels like it has turned and certainly turning 11 days to the game with uh, Washington. And Sark did talk about it. He, you know, when, he, when he hired his staff, he was very intentional about hiring coaches who have developed mm-hmm. players, including Pete Kwiatkowski at Washington and uh, Bo Davis, one of the best on the D-line, Kyle Flood, obviously on the O-line. And uh, C.J. Vogel, as you said, there could be eight, nine, ten guys drafted and they're you know, moving into the NFL from this year's team. And wait till next year when Kelvin Banks and Quinn Ewers and uh, could be some really high draft picks uh, coming next year. Hey, uh, C.J., we played a piece the sound just a little bit ago with Sark talking about the overview of the class and he mentioned wide receiver was an important position and they brought in three or four but they're not done there he actually mentioned that that we may not be done at wide receiver that led me to, to wonder well who are they talking about what other wide I mean obviously Evan Stewart's in the portal from from Texas A&M there's other high school uh, you know players who could Sark be thinking referencing when he says we may not be done at wide receiver yeah I think a lot of people point straight out to uh, Evan Stewart uh, the former five-star wide receiver from Frisco who was who spent the last two years at Texas A&M. I don't necessarily think that that's a perfect match for Texas right now. I, I know on paper it makes all the sense in the world, but for now I think there's going to be a pursuit of, of a wide receiver elsewhere. You can obviously look to the 2024 class, and, and Aaron Butler out of Calabasas, California, is a guy Texas has been tied to recently. He fits the mold of wide receiver Sarkeesian likes to deploy in his offenses obviously uh, can catch and go, has great speed, uh, has some nice wiggle to his game as well. So uh, that'll be one to, to watch if Sarkeesian and his staff don't find a guy in the portal. I think, you know, with as many bowl games and, you know, call it how much of the college football that still remains, it's possible that the guy that Texas wants or, you know, will eventually pursue might not even be in the portal yet. So that, I think that's something interesting. But he did mention, and I, it was noteworthy, that – he does not believe that Texas is done at the wide receiver position, despite having signed three guys in this class and already having gone out and signed Matthew Golden from Houston. Yeah. Does that, uh, in your opinion, mean those odds are definitely gone? Like the, we were, there was some slight chance, potentially, CJ, that A.D. Mitchell could come back. I think most people believe X-Man's gone. But after that comment, aren't you pretty sure that they're going to have all those targets pretty much leave? I, I think that's, you know, a safe assumption. 
And, yep. you know, should AD or, yeah, I guess, should AD return? You're still losing Jordan Whittington. Uh, Isaiah Nayor is already in the portal. Casey Kane uh, is in the portal as well, despite continuing to practice with Texas during the bowl season. It's a lot more than just uh, Xavier Worthy and AD Mitchell. You know, these are guys who all have, you know, solid game reps uh, aside from Isaiah Nayor. So, Texas will be inexperienced, and I think that there's a, going to be a concerted effort to go get a guy with, you know, a, a, a history of being able to, you know, be a reliable target on third down and, and move the chains for, for teams in the past. So we'll see, but that's a lot of, a, a lot of uh, you know, opportunities for wide receivers to step up moving into 2024. Yeah, you know, you'll be catching balls from an experienced quarterback in an offense that likes to feature the passing game, so uh, would be an attractive spot, uh, whether it's a high school player or even a, a portal player to come. Uh, he is C.J. Vogel. He is the CFB insider for Football Brainiacs, also host of the High Four Star Podcast, Action Network, college football contributor as well, and on Texas football. Hey, C.J., uh, the Ty Anthony Smith uh, flip last night, you kind of predicted it was coming, but it's the third year in a row by my count that the Longhorns have uh, kind of spurned the Aggies at the finish line. They, uh, Anthony Hill was a couple years ago. Colin Simmons was a guy that, that was really down to Texas and Texas A&M and LSU a year ago. He takes Texas. And now Ty Anthony Smith is uh, one of the top linebackers in the state from Jasper. He was an Aggie commitment all the way up until yesterday. Uh, how the Longhorns pull that off and how important is that, that get for Texas at that position? Yeah, you can really think the last month or two of Texas A&M not really – you know, knowing the direction of their program for kind of the rethinking of where's home for Ty Anthony Smith. You know, Texas A&M moved on from Jimbo Fisher. Uh, they've had a lot of departures from that, that new coaching staff. And while they go get a familiar, uh, familiar name and uh, Mike Elko from Duke, I mean, it's just not necessarily the situation you want to be walking into if you're a highly coveted uh, linebacking prospect in the state of Texas. You know, there's brighter options than uncertainty at the moment. And you can look at LSU right now and see, you know, they just had a Heisman winning quarter at the moment. They're in the top 15. And obviously Texas is 12-1. and one. They just won the Big 12. They're headed to the SEC. And they're playing for a national championship. What is around Texas A&M and recruiting right now has been, you know, levels above what they are. And I think a lot of guys are realizing that at the moment in this class. And I think that was the case coming into the weekend prior to his visit for Ty Anthony Smith. I was told last week, you know, should he make a visit to Texas, consider it a wrap. And eventually he made it to campus for a three-day visit over the weekend. And we all know how the, you know, the chips fell last night. Uh, he joins the Texas class and signed immediately upon his commitment. And uh, I think Texas is getting a good one. A guy that can cover, a guy that can run and hit and certainly fill run holes. Uh, talented prospect and the only linebacker in the 2024 class. Yeah, only one at that position. Hey, last thing, CJ, keep your uh, friends close, your enemies closer. A lot of people predicted, at least uh, nationally maybe, that Oklahoma would have a recruiting peril moving into the SEC. They finished with a top-10 class for Brett Venables. And, um, you know, I know they've got some issues on their O-line right now, but uh, the Jackson-Arnold era will begin at Oklahoma. Uh, they've got to be excited up in Norman that uh, the class that Brett Venables pulled in here as they move into the SEC as well. Yeah, certainly. Oklahoma is going to have a good defense next year. And I think what we've seen the last two years on the defensive line are, is going to be a big part of that. You know, you go back to five-star P.J. Adebayor last year uh, off the edge. His brother played in the NFL or got drafted to the NFL last year as well. So you kind of see the projection that he's on uh, in terms of development this year. Uh, I'm very impressed what they were able to do. Danny Okoye from Oklahoma is a guy Texas was after. Nigel Smith from Alyssa uh, is, a, is a big, beefy guy in the interior. And obviously David Stone, you know, the, guy, the kid from IMG Academy, a five-star kid. Um, it's, you know, we've seen it firsthand this year. You can win games with your defense solely through the, the, the pressure and, you know, production from your defensive line. And, you know, that's the, the, a sign of a great defense, or at least the makings of what eventually can become a great defense, is, you know, having a great defensive line. And, you know, that's kind of the blueprint that Oklahoma and Brent Venables are instilling currently uh, with their defensive makeup uh, in Norman at the moment. So, uh, you know, you still have some question marks. Is Jackson Arnold going to be that guy? I think they're losing their entire offensive line from this year as well. So it's going to be a bit of a work in progress for uh, – New offensive coordinator, Seth Luttrell. 
But that defense should be that defense that we've seen from Brent Venables uh, while he was at Clemson winning national championships. That will be the biggest uh, strength of that team next year and something that will obviously be fun for everybody to look forward to in terms of when Texas and Oklahoma meet once again in Dallas. Yeah, uh, A&M and Oklahoma next year. Yeah, Brett Venables had those great defensive lines at Clemson, obviously, and uh, trying to replicate that in Norman, and that's uh, that's a good thing. Longhorns know how good that is when you've got those guys up front, those dudes uh, on the point of attack. Yeah. Uh, all right, CJ, thanks, bud. Appreciate you. All the work yesterday, all the work today. We'll keep the uh, the number handy and check in as things develop. CJ Vogel uh, from Football Brainiacs. Thanks, my friend. Thanks, CJ. Thanks, fellas. Have a good one. And there you have it, C.J. Vogel, um, very insightful, you know, knows very plugged into the college football landscape. Uh, it was a great interview yesterday, but we have more ahead here. I think we're going to take a break here in a second. Uh, next segment, we're going to talk a little bit about that Texas recruiting class, some of me and Brock's favorite uh, prospects on the offensive and defensive sides of the ball. Um, we're going to hear a little bit from the sports complex, Jacob Standard, Patrick Davis yesterday, a little sound from there. Uh, you know, we're going to have some fun today. We're just, we're just getting, getting started, getting started here uh, on 101.9 AM 1260, live, local, and digital on the Horn app, you know, worldwide. Take, take us everywhere. We'll be right back. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook them up. 101.9 AM 1260, the Horn Welcome back to Hook Him Up with E and Rod B. No E and Rod B today. It's T and Brock B. Ty Henderson, Brock Bollinger. I think it's an upgrade, honestly. But <laughs> We're going to have some fun, that's for sure. Uh, I don't know how data-driven this today's show is going to be, but we're going to have some Not good guests. All. Not at all. As I mentioned, next hour we're going to have Jacob Standard, uh, 8 o'clock hour, Johnny Rogers, Casey Stuttered, 9 a.m., Justin Simmons, Craig Flowers with a good morning story from the high ground. And then the 10 a.m. hour, we're going to have Dylan Weber and one of Brock's buddies who's a, a bit of an influencer. A little bit, honestly. <laughs> uh, I'll but, give a little bit of crap for that. No, 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 no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have, have some some off off uh, the sports, you know, off, not non-sports related con- or <laughs> questions for, for your buddy. I, I, okay. I think we could have some fun with that interview. Okay. Well, let's get to it. Uh, we're going to talk a little... Texas National Signing Day here, uh, top five class. I think it came in officially on the two four seven rankings as the fourth rated class in the nation. And it's three years in a row with a top five top class. Five, yeah, yeah, I think so. Something like that. It's Sark can recruit, man. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah, and he's getting his guys, and the product on the field is definitely changing. Uh, this year has been amazing to watch. I still cannot believe that we are less than two weeks away from playing in a college football playoff game. Man, I'm not gonna lie. Being a being a Texas fan my whole life and watching them suck the entire <laughs> you don't even of my you life. probably don't even remember the the national like when we won in no, 2006. No, you? I, no, I don't even remember. How the, old were you? The 2009 one. I was what was that 2005? I was three or four. Yeah. Well, because you just turned 22 this week, right? Yes. Happy belated birthday. Thank you. You missed out the other night, man. I know. It was a lot of fun. I know. You invited me out to go out with the – I know you said BK was out with the – I saw his story where, where he was asking the people if he was too too old to be on West 6. Yes, he is. I don't, is he? How, how old is BK? What is he, like 30? How old is he or how old does he look? Because <laughs> those are two different – He's definitely he's definitely leaning into the uh, – I mean, I love you, BK, if you're listening, but the, 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 the pedophile look is, is – is, <laughs> It's gotten better since he since he shaved the stash. Yeah, no, I mean, oh, dude, the stash was bad. I mean, you got a stash right now. I feel like it's it's stash season. It well, well, it's coming back. It's not anymore. November is stash. I I had a lot of friends that went for the stash last month, and and it did not look very good. But they were very confident. I'll tell you what, man. Ever since Top Gun came out, and the stash is. Well, yours looks good. Well, let's, let's not get His too off. Not. Let's not get too <laughs> off topic here. Um, I think uh, let's just give our favorite offensive and defensive prospect from this class. I'll, I'll, I'll start here. Um, for me, offensively, I think Brandon Baker. I mean, yeah, Sark said it. We've heard the sound. We're going to hear a little bit from Patrick Davis and uh, Jacob Standard later in this segment. Um, I think some Sark Sark sounds included in there as well. But out of modern day high school, six five, two eighty five, just your prototypical tackle. You know, Sark said it. Said it best. If you 
if you were to go into a lab and build a offensive tackle, this is the kind of the kind of guy that would come out of that that, he, that process. He is eerily similar to Kelvin Banks. Yeah, and he, he said that as well too. And yeah. I, I mean that's I mean that's high praise. Kelvin Banks is a guy that came in. Yeah, Kelvin Banks might be a top ten draft. Pick, yeah, I mean he was know. starting left tackle as a freshman. He was arguably the best player on that offensive line as a freshman. You yeah. know he he struggled. I feel like early in, early in the season this year with run blocking, but that that improved as the cohesiveness with that unit uh, got better and better each week. Um, but yeah, Brandon Baker, I think that's he's a guy that can come in next year with Christian Jones leaving and potentially push for that right tackle spot, or, or I mean at least going yeah, him or him or Cam Williams. Yeah, I mean, but in either one is I mean like, Cam Williams is another guy that was what a four maybe teetering on the five star line coming out of high school as well. Yeah, big dude like what was he like six eight like just massive big of a man. big humans on the offensive line that's for sure. Um, oh, we're, we're SEC ready man. Oh, that's what. It, think how different this. I mean, I'm I know you're not you're not too young to remember the Arkansas loss a few years ago where we just got dismantled in Fayetteville and it that was, was clear that. Yeah. Texas was not prepared for the SEC, at least on the, the lines of scrimmage. So. I mean, to be fair, we were 5-7 and seven that year. Yeah, no, it was, so it was it's not like it was Sark's we were first year. I, <laughs> I was a little – we lost to Kansas that year. It was uh, not the best year, but now obviously times have changed. So who's who's your favorite prospect on, on, on the offense? You know, I was thinking about going with Brandon Baker and obviously Ryan Wingo – but I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with a little bit lesser known guy. I'm not gonna go with one of the five stars. I'm gonna go with Freddie DeBoys. DeBose. DeBose. Freddie DeBose. I'm sure we'll have to get we'll have to get that pronunciation right. Yeah, eventually. I, I, I mean, we, we, we got DeBose. Time to practice. Bo- How'd you say it? DeBoy. 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 I mean, that's what it looks like. O I S E. DeBoys. Oh wait. Well, <laughs> let's just go with DeBose for now. De, but that, this dude's Freddie got some De, speed, dude. He is. Fast. What is he's from Smith and Valley, right? Uh, I pretty think so. I'm pretty some, sure. I know he's from Texas. I know he's a Texas kid. Smith and Valley. Yeah, Smith and Valley. It, he he reminds me so much of Xavier Worthy. Really? Just how with how he plays, you know, slight build, but just faster than everybody else on the field. Get the ball in his hands, let him work. Yeah, and you know he's a he's a little bit lesser known guy. He's a three star, but honestly, I think hit both him and Ryan Wingo have a chance to play year one. Yeah, I mean, with for a, him, like but, similar to uh, how Jonte Cook was this year, but there's going to be more opportunities next year with with all the guys leaving. I mean, Rod B talks about it all the time with the wide receiver rotation. Is it it really doesn't go beyond the the top four guys? Yeah. So if you can crack that, I'm. I mean, Jonte Cook, he looked great in spot in spots this year. He got a little bit of playing time. I feel like he gained trust as the year went on. But next year, I fully expect him to be in that top four. Yeah. yeah um, absolutely. Ryan Wingo well, I, I too. I agree with like the top four, the ones that you know for Sark that play. Well, because with Tom Herman, it was the rotation was it was too many guys. We get Kai Money, who was a walk on at one point at his time on the Forty Acres. Yeah. All hey, yeah. Respect to you, Kai Money, as, I, as a white boy getting on the field and yeah. and making plays. But Tom Tom Herman, come on, what? Colin, I, John, you're you're in the red zone and you don't have Colin Johnson split out wide. You have Andrew Beck and Kai Money. We're a long, we're far removed from Andrew, those days. Andrew Beck is an NFL tight end now. He's an NFL fullback now. Uh, he's playing. He's playing a little he, bit. Of tight he end. was a great player at Texas, but he should have never been split out <laughs> wide. Okay, like that guy was not a, a downfield threat. I will say though that that next year that might change a little bit with the receiver rotation. You think so? Just because yeah, they're so much younger. Yeah, I mean, so, much so you're losing. Guys. You're losing Jordan Whittington, the heart and soul of that room. Right, Xavier here. Worthy. You're losing Ad Mitchell. You're losing. Um, I mean, it's not. Conf- we're assuming that Ad Mitchell and Xavier Worthy will be gone. I, dude, I, if they're, I, I'd say it's a ninety percent chance at this point. If they're mocked, what 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 do the most recent mock drafts have them at? They're Late both mocked round? in the first round. Yeah. yeah. Why would you stay? I, yeah, go get that money, especially <laughs> like, as a wide receiver. Uh, if you're mocked in the first round, I'm just assuming that you're leaving. Unless you're a quarterback that's mocked at like 32, and you can come back and you know, yeah, but, kind of a coin year situation where yeah. he could definitely go in the first. Yeah, it makes sense for two him. rounds. Yeah, it does not make sense. I mean, for, I, you could I could see Quinn Ewers going if he, they they win at least win this game versus Washington. Yeah, I mean, if he, if he has a good game on, on the in, in, in the biggest stage of all, I mean, yeah. he plays goes to the national championship and he wins. If he wins that game, yeah, he's I think oh, he's yeah. leaving at that point. Yeah, playing a Michigan or Alabama defense. 
Yeah. All right. Well, let's get back to it, though. Okay. So defense. We uh, Brandon Baker, Freddie DeBose for us. Favorite prospects on offense. Um, for me on defense, I'm going to go with Kobe Black. Okay. Uh, versatile. We talked Sark. I think uh, he mentioned in the DB cut yesterday. He, he said the word versatile five times in a two yeah. minute cut. Yeah. While talking about this guy and I mean the rest of the secondary class, six guys coming in, including the transfer. Um, I mean, he's played every position in the secondary. Yeah, I mean, he's listed as a safety on 247. He's projected to play corner here at Texas. Um, consists as five-star. He's the highest sec- recruit. He's the highest um, DB recruit Texas has gotten since 2006. Okay. So that's, that was crazy to me. Is that, is that true? That's I saw that. Like, maybe Derek corner. Williams? Maybe corner. Okay, corner. Corner. Okay. corner. Um, and, you know, that, that, that room's losing Ryan Watts. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you've got – Terrence Brooks and Manny Muhammad, young guys uh, that have definitely improved this year. I'm, I'm really excited to see what Manny Muhammad, um, how much he improves over the offseason. But Kobe Black, yeah, he's just a natural cover guy. And that's what this secondary needs. You've got a bunch of guys like, I mean, God bless them, the safeties, Michael Taff, close family friend, love him. Love Michael Taff. And he's going to play next year for sure. He'll, he will start. But we the, the, the coverage has been an issue this year from both – the corners and the safeties, and it's definitely something that Stark emphasized in this recruiting cycle is just getting guys yeah. who are natural cover guys. Um, yeah. Bringing in Makumba. Yeah, I mean, ver- um, and, and the guys that are versatile. I mean, right now yeah. you have Ryan Watts who can only play the boundary side corner. I, th- I Kobe Black can play both. You, right. you, um, you can, you're more multiple when you have guys like this. Wake Muhammad can play both. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm excited where I, definitely this recruiting class that. They, there was a focus on the defensive side of the ball. Um, Rod and Aaron have mentioned it through the week. It, the, through the first two years with Sark, it seemed like the focus was getting the offense right. I mean, naturally, yeah. he's an offensive guy. Right. Um, getting his guys in there to fit his system. Um, now it kind of seems like the, the focus is turned to the defense and just getting guys that are, you know, that they know are right culture fits. Yeah, and I think Kobe Black's one of those guys. Brandon Baker's one of those guys. Uh, Freddie Debose is one of those guys. Is a lower um, rated guy, but you know, speed and they, they love. You mentioned it a few times. Just these are all great kids, and of course, a coach is going to say that. But you can you can tell when Sark really means it. And yeah, I, I, but it's also like, what else are you going to say? No, like, I mean, yeah, I know the kid's talented. But yeah, but he's a he's a jackass. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, you, he could be called out for that. I don't think any of these kids have had off-the-field issues from what I've heard. Well, to be fair, if if he did think they were a jackass, he would not recruit them. And we're seeing that right now with Evan Stewart, right? And where we're going after all these receivers, we just signed, you know, how many we signed? Four? Four receivers. We're losing, we're losing our top four receiving targets. Losing two to the transfer portal. Yeah, you you know, you have a guy like Evan Stewart in the portal who was committed to Texas at one point. And we're just yeah. we're not even going after him, right? I, but that's why he's I, not I, a culture fit. I don't I don't know if we're not going after him though, just because we haven't heard anything. All the I mean, some of the guys, the insiders that we've talked to, have said that they're you know they're keeping tabs on it, but they're not necessarily pressing. Yeah, exactly. Like if he comes to yeah. them, sure. Um, I mean, I would personally love to have Evan Stewart. Have you watched that guy play? Yeah. I, but he does have some attitude problems. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, to be fair, he's also at AM, so. Hard not to have attitude problems when you're stuck in college station. Yeah, right. and the culture there uh, obviously it was has taken a hit in the past two years yes. uh, under Jimbo Fisher. Yep. A lot of guys smoking weed behind the bus, uh, you know, mm-hmm. just stuff that should not be happening, or at least you know stuff that if it is happening, which I'm sure it is here, you know, not not every team's perfect. You got, I mean, what like a hundred plus guys in that locker room. There's, yep. there's going to be a bad apple, but if you can limit that, uh, which I think this Texas team has, um, and getting you know, just getting some of those bad apples out of there, um, you, you can you can get to the point where they are today. Uh, but yeah, who's your who's your favorite prospect on the defense? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I was thinking about going with Xavier Filsame, 
Is that how you pronounce it? Because I, I butchered butchered the first Freddie, name. Freddie DeBose, uh, Phil Samay. Yeah, yeah I, think that, I think Phil Samay is how you say that one. But I'm going to go with Colin Simmons. I mean, I've been following this yeah, kid this since easy. he was a freshman or sophomore in high school. Comes from a, a winning program, right? Was he a, is he a two- or a three-time state champion? I think they lost to North Shore one of his okay. years. Two-time state champion. You know, you look at um, the kids who show up at Texas and excel right away are the kids from, you know, the winning programs, like the Westlakes, right? Yeah, and you know, that's, that Ethan goes, Burks, that, that goes back Vossics, to the culture the, thing. Yeah, exactly. It's just like if you got guys that know how to win, I would take a three-star that, that is coming in, is a culture fit, comes from a winning program, good attitude over a Evan Stewart five-star, might be more talented, Right. But it's going to be an issue constantly, and, right. and it's going to not not elevate his teammates, not prop up people. You know, if he gets beat during a practice, he's going to throw a fit, or maybe not the best guy in the film room. I, I think Colin Simmons is a mixture of an Evan Stewart and a three star or a walk on Michael Taft that has that that work ethic, and he's clearly. We talked about it yesterday. He has a brother with autism that he yeah. brought on all his recruiting visits, right. and you know he always. Puts God first in all his interviews and stuff, which I mean, if you're religious, cool. And I mean, that was that was his deciding factor as his brother. Did, did he? Did yeah, because he he was like it was between uh, Texas and LSU. LSU was like an eight hour drive to DFW, which yeah. is where he's from, and and you know Austin's about a three hour drive, and he wanted to drive up and see his brother as much as he could. What do you have his brother drive to see him play every? What every do you game. What do you expect from him on the field next year? Do you expect him to be in, 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 in like take over one of the Baron Sorrell, Ethan Burke spots, or kind of worked into the rotation that like kind of like an Anthony Hill was this year? I think, I think he'll he'll take over a spot. He's too talented not to. Uh, my only concern with him is he's listed at two twenty five as a as a defensive end. That's that's very slight. Um, and historically, if you if you look at high five star recruits like that, that that are that light, um, it's boomer bust, right? You have like you have your Von Millers, and then you have your. Um, Does he remind you of a guy like? I mean, Von Miller, he's not the biggest guy. No, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. But it's it's boomer bust. But it's a nat- so. that's a natural pass rush ability. Yes, what, before, and that's what he has. Before Anthony Hill stepped on campus this year, I don't I don't think we'd seen anybody in the last ten years that has that kind of just natural bend. I mean, we yeah. you played defensive line at Dripping Springs right. High School. I I played I played a little D line at uh, at Westlake. Westlake. We were both a little bit bigger back then, but it's and you know you, that's all they teach you is is that bend and you can yeah. see it during practice or at least I saw it in my time playing defensive line there was kids that were you know they might have been really strong in the weight room and they could mm-hmm. run a really fast 40 yard dash or but stiff as a board that didn't translate yeah. to just to to pass rush it's it's a very natural thing and from what I've seen with Colin Simmons this kid I mean he could step on the 40 acres and be a six to eight sat guy as a freshman have the yeah, kind of Harold Landry effect that he had on that LSU defense two years ago I'd, I'd like to see him bulk up a little bit which I think he will oh, he'll get I think I, he if will. he's what you said 225 right 225 now? that's yeah he'll be that's a, super light I think it, I would like to see him at 235 240 I think two, if you get above 240 it might be too much for him okay I was gonna say 250 that might be because I I think like right maybe now, as a senior I, I, but if you get no, too yeah, big, you're yeah, gonna yeah. Lo- you're no, gonna I lose agree, agree, you're gonna lose that bend and that flexibility and that. I don't, we don't need. I mean, yeah, of course we're gonna lose on that defensive line. We're gonna lose to Andre Sweat, Byron Murphy, maybe Alfred Collins. But I'm not worried about the interior. You know, I'm not worried about run stopping necessarily. I I mean, I think Ethan Burke's a natural pass rusher, but yeah. he also that that's a big guy. I he, think. Well, I think Colin Simmons, the day he steps on the forty acres, he will be. The best pass rusher we have. So you think he's a better pass rusher than Anthony Hill right now? Yes. Okay. I do. I mean, I, that's but, a, that's a fair but assumption. But my my yeah, my concern though is because he's so light. Like I, I'm afraid he might get bullied in the run game, which is why I'd like to see him bulk up just a little bit. Well, he but this this Texas strength and conditioning staff will get a hold of him. I'm sure you will not have to worry about that. You know, but you talked about about Kobe Black being the highest ranked uh, that I, that corner I, recruit since 2006. Is that correct? If anybody, I I saw a tweet about that. If anybody on the text line, you know, uh, 
512-447-5776. Text in. Um, we get, it's blowing up here a little bit. We, we got a lot of people saying they do not want Evan Stewart. Uh, let's, I mean, let's, let's be careful. Let's not act like if Evan Stewart committed that we wouldn't be a little excited. He's a NFL talent at receiver, which is, you know, is a premium position. Sark loves his receivers, but I, I agree there, there is some issues there and let's tread, tread lightly on that one. But Hey, Let's go to um, a little audio from the sports complex yesterday. Um, you know, Patrick Davis, Jacob Standard, five to seven every day. Uh, I hope y'all are listening. It's a great show. Uh, I think there's a little Sark audio included in this. Uh, but yeah, let's, let's take it there. Let's get into some audio from Sark. Uh, I want to play the opening. We'll play the opening real quick from signing day. Uh, he talked for a while. He talked for 46 minutes, mentioned a lot of recruits. We're not going to be able to play all of the audio for you. Uh, you can find the whole press conference. I believe it's on YouTube, so you can find everything on there if you want to listen to the full 46 minutes. Uh, but I'm going to play you some clips that are kind of interesting uh, that I found interesting in there. And uh, let's start off with signing day, the opening uh, of Sark's press conference on signing day, kind of giving a recap of uh, what the day led to. As far as signing day, <clears throat> which uh... – I thought I thought our staff did a heck of a job of, of, of a few things here with this class. One, recognizing the needs that we had uh, on the team, um, some immediate needs, some long-term needs predicated on where our depth issues might have been on the roster. Two, identifying players that fit who we are, you know, fit physically, right, the physical skill set in, uh, in, in, in kind of the, the way they play, their style of play, but I think also fit character-wise. These are, these are really good young men, and um, I think they fit in our culture. And I want to credit our current players for the job they did in help recruiting these guys and, and getting this class here. Um, I say it every year. Every coach gets up, and, and I've never heard a coach get up and not be excited about his signing class, okay? So, um, but, but – I'm, I am excited about this class. I think there's a lot of depth to it. I think there's a lot of versatility to this class. You know, naturally, we need to just look at sheer numbers. Clearly, receiver um, <clears throat> was a position where we wanted to address, uh, and we may not be done there yet. Um, but to have four receivers in this class, uh, you know, three high school and a transfer, uh, I think, is big for us. The next position, obviously, defensive back, signing six defensive backs. Uh, guys with a lot of versatility, and I know we always want to label guys corners and safeties, but the way we play with five DBs the majority of the time, they have to be versatile players, and the more versatile they can be, uh, the more opportunities they can provide for themselves, whether it be corner at the star position or at safety. So um, excited about that. <clears throat> and then I think the last piece that was really important was the defensive line of scrimmage and to sign five really good players at that spot uh, with the two edges and the three interior guys, um, that, that I think that helps solidify some things. So not to take anything away and not to just start singling one guy out at a time. I know we'll get asked about that. Uh, I just think this was a really complete class, really versatile. And like I said, I don't think we're quite done yet. Uh, I think we'll have a couple things to go here over the next you know, day or two. Uh, and then you know, as the portal shapes itself out, you never know what happens there. So, But all in all, uh, proud of, the, proud of our, our staff and the job that they did, our recruiting staff, our coaches. Uh, you know, recruiting takes everybody. And um, everybody did a great job, including our players, and excited about this group of guys because I think they're made of the right stuff. Uh, to come into our program and be successful. Some good stuff there, kind of the opening for you. We'll get into a couple more clips here. And so one of the things he mentioned early on was someone asked him about, well, with Transfer Portal now, what is this, what's the impact on recruiting and does signing day matter as much anymore with transfers and everything else? And Sark gives a good answer because people will say, well, why does signing day matter? Like me. I asked you that yesterday. And if we look at Texas team right now, there's important, probably half of your starters are important transfers. Yep. And half of your starters are recruits that came to Texas. Home built. Like our left tackle, who's going to go pro, is Kelvin Banks. That dude came to Texas. He has been in the program. Tavondre Sweat, the defensive player of the year, came to Texas. Probably should have been the Heisman winner, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. Just saying. There, I get that signing day doesn't matter as much that you can put it on, okay, this doesn't matter next season. If we're only looking one season in the future, it doesn't because not a lot of these guys are going to see a ton of playing time. There's six freshmen that are going to get playing time in the bowl game. It's a pretty large number, by the way. So here's how I look at it. Your team is still built through recruiting, and then you fill in the gaps with the transfer portal. And so this is what – let's play what Sark says because okay. it's very much a similar thing. But this is for everybody who says the signing day does not matter. 
And you're going to eat your words when you see Colin Simmons play next year, by the way. Because Colin Simmons is going to get some playing time next year is because that's how the athlete he is. Uh, he'll get some on the edge. Just yep. however, but like, I don't know how many snaps, but he'll get some. He's a monster. Uh, and you'll see, I mean, look at what Anthony Hill's doing and tell me their recruiting doesn't matter. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Look, Manny Muhammad coming into the game when Ryan Day, our transfer gets hurt, or Ryan Watts, our transfer gets hurt, and my, Manny Muhammad comes in and is help helps us win a Big 12 championship, helps us win some games at the end of the year. How about your backup running back? How about C.J. Baxter how being about the, the one that had to step in? You know, it does still matter. Here's start talking about the transfer world versus the port versus recruiting and how you have to have both to be a successful team in college football. Yeah, I mean, I, I still think in the end, you know, if I had my druthers, you, you take your high school kids, you get them immersed into your program, you get them immersed into your culture, they grow and they build in your culture and, and in your program. They earn their playing times, and, and that that they all become part of your culture. Um, but but nothing has really changed for us as it pertains to the portal. In that, when we go to the portal, we're trying to fill immediate needs. How do those needs occur? A variety of reasons, right? It could be injury. It could be our own, you know, attrition from the portal. Guys leaving our program. It could be, hey, we made a mistake or two in recruiting. That can happen. You know, we we try to make this a science. Uh, but there is no science for whatever reason. Sometimes guys just don't work out. Um, and so you, you have to be flexible enough uh, is what I say. I, I, I'm just not of the adage of making a living in the portal and signing um, 10, 12, 15 guys a year out of the portal and trying to recreate my culture every year. You know, I, I think that we have created a culture here of one that we're, we have a lot of pride in, and I know the veteran leaders on our team have a lot of pride in, and now that influx of young players, they can help educate them on what it means to be a Longhorn. Um, when you start bringing in a lot of transfers at that top-level positions, um, now you're really trying to recreate that culture. And so, hey, when, when we go to the portal, <clears throat> it's because we're really trying to fulfill a need, a very specific need where somebody can come into our program and have immediate impact uh, on the field and in our locker room for that matter. You know, all the guys we, we go into the portal for – um, they they fit what we're about. And I'll just touch on the two here. Matthew Golden and Andrew Makuba, experienced players. You know, Makuba, three-year player at Clemson. Um, Golden, two-year player at Houston. Very productive players, have played a lot of football. When you get to visit with them and talk to them, they're made of the right stuff. And so they fit in pretty seamlessly for us. And so that's the key. If we're going to go to the portal, A, do they have the skill set to make us better? Can they fill a need? And then would they fit our culture and the mindset that they have? And uh, those two guys definitely do that. Uh, first of all, I like the fact that you can tell Sark has been on the phone and talking to people nonstop for the what past week because his voice is gone. His voice is leaving him, which is hilarious. Uh, but this he brings it up. There's So we bring up the points that you, know, you don't win a championship. You don't get close to winning championships without recruits and transfers. You need both. But – he brings a point. When you say we are Texas, if you're constantly re redeveloping yourselves and constantly putting yourself in that step, every year is a chance that you completely whiff. Every year is a chance that you, there's nothing there. And it's not a, oh, man, we had a two-loss season. That was a downturn for us. So we had a five, six-loss season. And now recruits don't want to come. And now transfers don't want to come. Every year has the potential for Colorado. Think about that. It, it, but every year has it, you know, and we've seen other schools. Every school, every right. year has a potential for USC. Yes. USC yes. took a bunch of transfers trying to rebuild that program quickly, and they missed this year. Because culture matters. Because culture matters. So that's why recruiting day and signing day matters, because you want to get those guys. You want to get the top guys. You want everyone to feel the push behind them. You need the freshmen that you signed in that last recruiting class to see who's just walked in the room. Not only that, you and want you need them to say, well, this offseason, I'm going to work my butt off because I'm staying ahead of that guy behind me. And I need to bring him in and then push him and push all of us to be better. You still need signing day to be an important part. Trust me, Georgia, who's, went, who's a two-time defending national champion, they win recruiting day every year. Alabama dynasty, they win recruiting day. It's not just transfers. I get transfers help, but you know who transfers help? Oregon. Oregon really got a lot of transfers. Ooh. What, what, are they playing? Are they playing in the playoffs? I think they got a bowl game. No, they lost to Washington. Who recruited their players? Yeah, because you want your you want your key guys to be guys that are homegrown so that they can push your message. You don't want you don't want to try and teach your message to new guys coming in like Sark was articulating there. Yeah. That's tough to do. And and look, I get I get fully on that it can be rough 
that that you don't people don't like the transfer and it, there should be some reform to it. But the, complaining about recruit signing day because of transfers to me is complaining. Why is there gas stations if we all have electric cars now? We don't. There are electric cars. They exist. You still need gas stations for all of us who drive cars with gas in them. Right. You, you need both. They both can they both can coexist in a world, and we can all be happy. We don't have to have one or the other. You can have transfers and recruits. We can be happy with both. And for Texas, what you want to do is win the transfer portal and win the recruiting, get the guys you want in both, and then you have the best shot to be where you're at now, which was, okay, first couple of years, we need to bring a couple more transfers, but we need to recruit hard to build the base in the culture. I wouldn't even say you have to win the transfer portal. Because I think no, no. that's looking winning, at the wrong way. Winning the transfer portal means get the guys you want. Right. And I think that's how you look at it. It's like, yeah. okay, where are we missing? Uh, and that's it. So let, let's move on to another couple of things because we, we don't have all the time in the world. And we may push this some of this into the next segment too because I want to get a couple more clips. Uh, but I want to hit this one real quick because I think it's an interesting point of something that Sark has done where Texas for a long time, the entire key was you had to win Texas recruiting. You had to win Texas recruiting. You had to win Texas recruiting. Well, that's not gone. It's changed a bit because in the future, now SEC is recruiting in Texas and everybody is coming into Texas and grabbing guys. It became harder and harder to win Texas, but you're focusing so much of your effort into winning Texas Yep. that you maybe sometimes don't go outside of it. California, Florida. And start coming from other places coming from an Alabama that hit everywhere else and got everything, said we need to open up our out-of-state recruiting. And the more out-of-state recruits we get, the better team we'll be, which means we'll win Texas easier. But we need to, we can't just rely on winning Texas, and that'll save our program because it, it's just we're, we're, it's a self-defeating goal at a certain point. So he talked about, and players are now much more willing to go out-of-state because everything's on TV now. And back in the day, you wanted your parents to the game or you wanted them to watch, and not every game was on TV, so it was really important to play in Texas because those games would be on in Texas, but they wouldn't be on everywhere else. Now right. everything's streaming. Every, you can watch wherever you want, whenever you want. So it's not necessarily the same deal. Travel's easier now. There's NIL, so people have money to travel more. So if you say, I, I'm from Florida, I'm going to Texas, well, if I get an NIL deal for $60,000, I can buy my parents' plane tickets. Or $3.2 million. You can get a lot of tickets for that. <laughs> but I can, but I can, you know, we have money. Like we're not, we're not completely broke. We can, or I, you know, I can get my parents. I fly them in for a couple games, or we we can go to other games. We we can make this work now. Right. So there's out of state recruiting has gotten a lot bigger. Here's Sark talking about more of the recruits going out of state now and kind of using that to an advantage of Texas. Without question, um, and it's not. You know, I think kids from Texas are going other places more than they ever have. I think kids in California are going places more than they ever have. I think kids in Florida are going places more than they ever have, and so on and so forth. Uh, I think seven-on-seven seven has played a factor in that, that guys are, are, are traveling now. They're going to play in other places. Um, I, think, I think social media um, and the Internet has provided that opportunity because more schools are seeing these kids more so than just the local schools that are, that are getting their tape and, and know the high school coach. I also think summer visits have changed that um, because now guys are having the ability and have the time to take visits in the spring and in the summer as opposed to just in the fall. It's difficult when you live in California and I want to play Friday night and we have an 11 a.m. kick the next day. You got to try to get on a plane, get here, and then for us to spend really quality time with them and then they have to turn around and fly back. Well, when they come in June, I get 48 hours with them and I really get to spend time with them and they're not rushed and, and we can we can forge those relationships. But that's the same for the kid that's here in Texas and when he goes to visit somewhere else around the country. So I think all those things have added up to you're seeing more kids travel. Um, you're seeing more parents comfortable with allowing their, their kids to travel. Um, that doesn't mean that, man, we're not trying to sign every great player in the state of Texas. Um, but but. Unfortunately, we're not we're not getting them all the way maybe we would like right now. We're going to continue to 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 bang that drum and to try to make that happen, but we have to be flexible enough to to reach beyond and um, and we have to be make sure that they understand when they come here, the best players play in our program that do things the right way. It's not about necessarily where you're from. It's about making sure that, that you're doing things the right way and that you earn your opportunities. And um, I think that we're following through with that and guys are having success in our program. So 
it gives you a different viewpoint of what it means for these recruits and how you're able to kind of take this new approach and it's helped Texas recruiting because now instead of just we need we we have to get the five star running back from Texas. And if we don't, we're not even looking in Florida. We're not looking in California. We're not if we don't get the wide receiver from from Dallas, well, we're screwed because that's who we need. And when AM or Alabama or Georgia or some or Oklahoma comes in and gets him, then we lost that battle. And that's we're not going any, we're not going out of state. Right. Sark has come in and really upped the out of state game, up the money. Texas has the money to do all this. Up that game. I, you know, give me the private jet. I'll fly around everywhere and we'll go meet with all them, do in-house visits. We'll go do that. And it's made a huge difference in the recruiting classes because you're able to bring in more five and four stars. And he just went, I get in Texas, we do this. And this is the way we think in Texas. But I'm from Washington. We, we weren't able to do that in Washington. In Alabama, you're not able to do that in Alabama. Right. So we got to be able to be flexible. Yeah. Could you imagine if Alabama <gasps> tried to get every single one of its recruits from Alabama? And only Alabama. Only him. Yeah, and then secondarily, we would look at Texas and Georgia, and if, like you, if Georgia right. only went to Georgia. Exactly, Georgia has good, good high school kids, yeah. but if they only did that, I don't think they're defending national champs. <laughs> Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook them up. One hundred one nine AM twelve sixty. The Horn. Welcome back to hook them up with T and. Rock B. No Aaron Hogan, no Rod B today. We're a little late here, so this won't be much. But uh, next hour, we have a little Cowboys talk with Jacob Standard. You just heard him on the Sports Complex with Patrick Davis. Uh, we're also, like I said, in the 8 o'clock hour, going to have Johnny Rogers in studio. Hopefully, Casey Stutter will call in You know, a little big, ugly tailgate reunion here on the Horn. 9 o'clock hour, Justin Simmons from no, Justin the Smash Simmons. Uh, a little, right. a little, uh, I think we're going to play a little, uh, um, what's the game that I told you? We used to play it on the Wagner Wire on Sundays. Smash or pass. Smash or pass. Smash how could I pass. How could I forget? How could I forget? Off-brand F. Mary Kill. And then also, in the 9 o'clock hour, Craig Flowers with a morning story uh, from the high ground. And then in the 10 o'clock hour, Dylan Weber. Talk a little Georgia football. Is he disappointed uh, that the dogs were left out of this year's college football playoff? Uh, maybe a little Tommy DeVito. He's a Giants fan. And then your boy, what's his name again? Canyon Sheeran. Canyon Sheeran has multiple Instagram accounts that are above what we'd call the influencer well, EC- cap. ECF, the elite college football one. That one, uh, that one died. No, no fault of his own. He there was a hey, there was a situation. But I understand. No, I went to <laughs> I went to college to run social media accounts. If you can believe that, and not not really applying it much these days, but. We got a fun show ahead of us. Uh, I'm awake now. Two cups of coffee down. 6:58. Um, Ty Henderson here. Brock Bollinger. We're having fun. We're having fun. We're yeah. having fun. We'll be back after yeah. this.